0: Section thirty three of Pantrophion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, BC. Pantrophion by Alexis Soyer. The Dining Room The Coecilium Dining Room, properly so called was the place in the upper part of the house where they eat. It was reached by a staircase, and thither persons repaired during the summer, particularly in the country. The Roman villas terminated by a platform, on which the Romans often collected at meal time. The air was not so hot, and the panorama of the neighboring country seats was presented without obstruction to the gaze of the guests. The dining room was commonly decorated with fasces of arms and trophies, which served as a memento of the warlike virtues of the ancestors of the master of the house. Enchanting frescoes stood out marvelously from the obscure shading of the wall, round which were twined fresh garlands of flowers, and a mosaic floor masterpiece of art and patience harmonized with the fascinating landscape of the ceiling the sight of which varied with every course the emperor nero who carried this taste for the beautiful rather too far devised a sort of vault in the most elegant style and entirely composed of movable leaves of ivory which exalted sweet perfumes and whence flowers fell on the guests in another of his dining rooms admiration was excited by a magnificent dome the rotary movement of which imitated day and night the course of the celestial bodies these prodigies of ancient mechanism adorned the palace that the prodigal caesar called the gilded house the colossal statue of that prince rose in the middle of the hall it was a hundred and twenty feet high studious people or those who wished to appear so covered some part of the dining-room with books for it was a custom introduced into rome to have recitations or readings during the repast atticus had always a reader and Juvenal promises the friend he invites to supper That he shall hear some fragments from virgil and homer the greeks yielded willingly to this intellectual pastime at the commencement of the banquet whilst incense and other perfumes filled the room with a light vapor opposite the entrance door stood a buffet sometimes of iron but more generally among the greeks of sculptured wood bronze or silver On which were represented the heads of oxen or satyrs this piece of furniture was placed under the protection of mercury and a curtain commonly veiled the front of it it served for the display of precious plate vases of silver silver gilt and gold enriched with magnificent precious stones the buffet of the Romans a sort of sideboard of rare workmanship was appropriated to the same use. Sometimes a single foot supported a white marble table surrounded with a border of vert antique, and plates and dishes were arranged on two elegant shelves placed above. Again, the artist frequently conceived the idea of giving a whimsical form to the buffet, which enhanced its price. It was a ship laden with the vases necessary for the banquet. Four enormous amphorae occupied the deck. On the two sides of the mast, towards the prow, was a candelabrium, and at the stern was displayed a large-bellied cantharus, or vase, with mobile handles. The main topmast was replaced by a large urn. And two cups of Bacchus were gracefully balanced at either extremity of the yard along which were suspended craters or vases used in drinking wine the buffet of the Greeks and Romans survived the ruins of those two celebrated nations we find it again in the Middle Ages and even more in modern times then also rich people loved to display their plate on a very apparent piece of furniture which being dressed took the name of dresser Monsieurlet, describing the magnificence of the Duke of Burgundy during his sojourn in Paris relates that in the room of his mansion in which he eat was a square dresser dressoir, with shelves which dresser was covered and loaded with very rich gold and silver plate sovereigns who effected great magnificence had buffets of metal there were three one for silver one for silver gilt and one for gold at the banquet which the king of france charles v gave to the emperor charles the Fourth, his uncle each of the three buffets was of the same metal as the plate it supported after the birth of a child ladies when they received visits, had a dresser placed in their room. Those of countesses and great ladies had three shelves. Those of the wives of the younger sons of baronets had two. Women well-connected but not titled could have no shelf. Those who enjoyed the honors of the court placed by the side of the buffet a little table, covered with a white cloth destined for the hippocras and spiced wine they offered their visitors, and which they drank in hanaps, or a kind of chalice of earthenware, gold or silver. Those of crystal were much esteemed. Charles the Bald gave to the Abbey of St. Denis at Hanap, said to have belonged to Solomon. It was of pure gold, fine emeralds, fine garnets and the work so marvelous that in all the kingdom of the world never was there anything so perfect the great lords also indulged in metal dressers to which the sixteenth century gave the name of buffets under Henry the second of France the court called them credence from an Italian word bearing the same meaning and which they had retained the Hebrews probably knew nothing of chimneys. When King Jehoiakim burned the book which Jeremiah had written, he sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. When among the Greeks or Romans they wanted to warm the dining room, they also had recourse to braziers or bronze furnaces of the dimension of a middling sized table resting on lion's claws foliage in copper bronze and silver was artistically encrusted round the edge the bottom was a very thick iron grating above and beneath brickwork prevented the coal from touching the upper part or escaping through the interstices. they also made use of two kinds of stoves to warm the dining-room The one was concealed underground in the massive wall, and little pipes extended from its orifice to the apartment. The other, portative and light, disappeared whenever it was judged expedient. Among the pagans the dining-room was lighted by torches made of a resinous wood, or tallow candles. The rich headlamps, candelabra, or magnificent lustres suspended from the ceiling, They even knew the luxury of wax candles. In the Middle Ages sovereigns and the great lords had, in the middle of their dining-rooms, fountains playing, which poured forth wine, hippocras, and other liquors. Some gave rose-water and divers undiferous liquids to perfume the banqueting hall. Rubicrous found in Tarté a Parisian goldsmith, Guillaume Boucher, who had settled under the The sway of the khan and had made him one of those fountains the municipal bodies adopted them at the entrance of charles the seventh into paris one of this kind was seen in the rue saint denis one of the tubes spouted milk another vermilion colored wine another white wine and another pure water and persons stood all around with silver cups to give drink to the passer by. In the seventeenth century playing fountains was still used at repasts End of section thirty three Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver BC